Well, good morning. My name's Ian McIntosh, and it's a privilege to be here with you this morning and, uh, and bring the message that uh, has really impacted me personally, so I hope that it will for you also. Um, as I was preparing for this, I thought of all of the meetings that I get to sit in on, and uh, I'm involved in, you know, I, I volunteer here at the church, obviously, in a couple of capacities. I, uh, I teach and do administration at a classical Christian school. Um, you know, I'm just really involved in a lot of different areas of ministry, and that involves a lot of meetings. And sometimes these meetings can be really annoying. I don't know, you ever sit in a meeting where it seems like all you ever get is more work and really no action? You come out of there with a whole bunch of lists of things that you need to do, but nobody's actually doing anything. It's just talk. And I sit in these meetings and I think, you know, couldn't we just send a couple of emails and actually use this time to do some of this stuff that we talk about doing? And, and I, don't, I don't know if you experience that with meetings, but it's kind of frustrating to me sometimes. And, and I get it. Some of that's necessary because you do need to have conversations and make plans and everything. But there is a huge difference between talking about doing something and actually doing it. And I find that it's a lot easier to talk about it than actually doing it. So, you know, I, I come out of a meeting and sometimes I feel like, oh, that was a great meeting. We got a lot accomplished. And then I'm reminded, oh, wait, no, I, I have all these action items from that meeting. I really didn't get anything accomplished except growing my to-do list. So uh, the, the reason I mention that is because the passage we're going to look at this morning addresses the importance of doing, not just uh, hearing or thinking. So uh, the sermon this morning would be called, I am a doer of God's word. And so when we look through this, keep that whole construct in the back of your mind, the difference between hearing or, or you know, talking about doing something and actually doing it. Uh, a little example of that, I don't know if you noticed or not, but I'm a little sunburned. Can, can, I don't, can you see from there that, yeah, I've got the little raccoon eyes? Okay, so, um, <laughs> so I climbed Mount uh, St. Helens yesterday, and um, uh, it was beautiful. Sun was shining, you know, snow all over the place. And uh, the guys that I did it with, um, I, I even reminded them on Friday, um, I, I said, hey, don't forget to bring sunscreen because, you know, the sun glare and whatnot. And, uh, and so I, I packed two different types of sunscreen in my backpack. And, uh, and we're hiking up, and we get to where we start to encounter the snow. So we, uh, we take the packs off, a little break, some, you know, water and whatnot. And, and, and a couple of the guys get out their sunscreen, and they put sunscreen on. I'm like, oh, good, they're putting on sunscreen. Awesome. And there was that thing in the back of my mind that said, you should put on sunscreen. And I was like, ah, I've got this hat, you know, I'm I'm good, you know, my neck's not exposed too much, I'll be fine. And, you know, I don't know, maybe half the way up the summit, I, I start feeling my face get a little toasty. You'd think I'd put some sunscreen on, but no, no, I just made sure that I had more shade on my face. And my face hurts. (laughs) See, because there's a big difference between doing something and just thinking about it. Like, I I knew the truth. I knew that the sun would be glaring off the snow and burning my face. In fact, I even told that to other people. I even planned for it, but I didn't actually take the step of doing anything about it. And so... I don't know if you're like me, but a lot of times when I read God's word, 
I'm reminded of how much more I need to do. Uh, and, and it's not so much about learning more for the sake of learning, because a lot of us know way more than we'll ever live out anyway. And I'm not saying that Bible study is bad, uh, but I would say, I heard a wise man recently say that uh, we don't need more Bible study, we need more Bible application. And so this morning, we're going to be looking at what the Word says about what we should do. So let's take a look at it in James chapter 1, uh, beginning in verse 22. But be doers of the word, and not only hearers, or not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who intently, who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. He looks at himself and goes away, and at once forgets what he looks like. Isn't that interesting? That looking intently at himself, and then walks away and forgets what he looks like. That's just silly, right? Who would, we, we know what we look like. We look in mirrors all the time. We're a very narcissistic culture. We have, you know, selfies. And, you know, Mac once told me that the reason that they don't call them narcissists is because that would be too hard to say. But, you know, so we know what we look right. And, and that's what James wants to get across to us is that it would be silly for someone to look at themselves. Wow. Wow, look at my eyes. Oh, wow. I look at those pores. Oh, look at the wrinkles. Wow, your little teeth or whatever. And, 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 then, and then to go away and forget what I look like, who does that? And that's what James is trying to get across. You, nobody does that. Verse 25, the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction, and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Notice he gives them something to do, right? He's talking about don't just be a hearer of the word, but be a doer. And then he says, if, if your religion doesn't affect the way you live, it's worthless. Real religion is doing something. So then the, the command that I, that I see here is that I need to be a doer of God's word, not just a hearer. If, if I'm only a hearer, then I deceive myself. It's, I mean, I didn't make that up. That's just right there in the text. So remember... If you're anything like me, you already know more than you'll live out. And I'm not saying that we need to stop reading the Bible. I'm saying we need to start living the Bible. And we'll talk about what that means more in a little bit. Uh, Jesus tells us something about this in uh, the Sermon on the Mount, which is found uh, in Matthew chapters 5 through 7, I believe. And uh, in, in that passage that we're going to look at here in a video here in a little bit, uh, we see that he, uh, he states this metaphor in a positive way. So here James is saying in the negative way, you know, a person who only uh, hears but doesn't do, they're like a person who looks in the mirror and then forgets what they look like. But to state the metaphor positively, Jesus would say that a doer of the word is like a man who builds his house on the rock. So... Um, have you ever heard of the Visual Bible? A show of hands, anyone heard of the Visual Bible? 
Okay, a good portion of you. Um, the visual Bible is a visual interpretation of God's word. And it's important that you get that, that, that what you see in this series is an, in, it's an interpretation. They've taken the, the NIV text and they've acted it out, basically. And, you know, it's in costume and setting and whatnot. It's, it's really kind of cool. It's a different perspective on God's word. Everything that you hear them speaking is straight from the NIV text, and even on the bottom right of the screen, they put the, the chapter and verse identification of it. So um, they act it out. So the way they act it out, obviously that's the interpretation part, right? The tone of voice, the gesture, the facial expressions. We don't, it's, in, in the Bible, it's kind of two-dimensional when you read it, so they bring another dimension and, and provide their interpretation of what it might have been like. So I'm going to have us uh, watch a little clip of this passage in the Sermon on the Mount, uh, chapter 7, verses 24 through 25. So, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down. The streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. So then in your life, have the rains come? Has the storm come? Have you felt like your life, your house has been assaulted? by some kind of storm? Well, if you are built on the rock, which implies Jesus, then, then, you'll, then you'll stand, you'll survive those storms. And so Jesus here is saying, um, you know, be a doer, right? If you hear these words of mine, he says, referring specifically to the Sermon on the Mount, if you hear these words of mine and do them, then you're like a man whose house is built on a rock. And the, the flip side of that is, you know, building a house on shifty sand, right? And, you know, where, uh, where when the storms come, then, uh, then you, you don't stand. So I, I want my house to be built on the rock. Well, Jesus states this, um, this truth, or I'm sorry, not Jesus, James states this truth in a negative way also, and we kind of already talked about it a little bit there in verses 23 through 24, that the person who looks at himself in the mirror and then forgets what he looks like, that's like someone who's, who's a, a hearer but not a doer. And so a non-doer of the word is like someone who looks at themselves in the mirror and forgets what they look like. And again, catch the, the ludicrousness of that. You know, if you, if you know what you look like, then you don't forget that. So the Bible reveals something to me about me. And that's the analogy that Jesus has here. If I look at myself in the word, I should see, I, when I'm reading the word, I should see myself revealed there. The Bible tells me all sorts of things about me. You know, it says the, the heart of man is evil and desperately wicked. I read that and I go, yeah, okay. I, I'm that way. Uh, the, the, even the, the most righteous acts of man are like filthy rags to God when I try to do that on my own. That's what the Bible says about me. But the Bible also says that I am destined 
for greatness in his kingdom if I've been called by him. The Bible says that, that I've been adopted into his family. The Bible says that I've been made into a new creation in Christ and that, that the stony heart that I used to have has been taken out and I've been given a heart of flesh. So when we read the Bible, we ought to see ourselves in God's word. Do you ever read the Bible and think, ooh, this would be good for this person? <laughs> right? Like, like you know, I, I, in, in, my, in my former Bible that I used to read, I, I thumb through it sometimes, and I see people's names written next to passages, you know? <laughs> and I'm like, well, what, what was I thinking about them that made me write their name there? <laughs> but do you ever write your own name in there? When you read God's word, do you say, Lord, would you show me what you want me to see about me? Because he wants, you know, looking into the, it talks about looking into the law of liberty, the perfect law of liberty. When, when I look into his word and I see me reflected back at me, then that should inspire change. And so I don't want you to hear me saying, okay, we need to be more about doing. So try harder, do more, you know, be a better Christian. It's not about that. It's about saying, Lord, would you show me the truth of who I am in you so that I can live the way you want me to live? It's the idea of the root versus the fruit, right? I need to have my identity in him revealed to me so that I can live it out. And so... (laughs) I'm sorry, I was just thinking about my sunburn again. (laughs) I feel like a hypocrite, honestly. I mean, like, like actually, do, do what it says. Yeah, you know, do what you know you need to do, right? Uh, but see, we all need to hear this, don't we? I, I need to hear this. I, I know what's right, and I don't always do it. So um, the, the main point here, the, the ideal in this is that I need to continually have my self-perception shaped by biblical truth, which would result in biblical action. Jesus tells the story of a guy that had two sons. And I sometimes reference this story when I talk to my kids about chores. I've got three sons, but this story still applies. Uh, The story goes, you know, the, the man came to his first son and said, Hey, son, why don't you go work for me out in the vineyard or the orchard or the fields or whatever? Uh, and the son said, okay, dad, you got it. I'll do it. This is, of course, my loose paraphrase. I think it's in Matthew 25 or 26. And, um, and so that son didn't. You know, he went and did other things. And then he says to his second son, son, I want you to go uh, work in the field, the vineyard or whatever. And he says, no, dad, not going to do it. And then he feels bad and he decides to actually do it. And so Jesus says to his audience, which one obeyed his father? And the implication is the second one. Even though he said to to his father's face, no, I'm not going to do it, his actions were actions of obedience. And and I love how God will sometimes um, guide me from disobedience towards obedience. You know, uh, I, I see his truth revealed in the word. I know what I'm supposed to do. I know that I'm supposed to live selflessly. I know that I'm supposed to honor him in everything I do in the way that I spend my time. I know that I'm supposed to 
to value him as the, the chief source of everything that fulfills me. Yet I don't always do that. And when, and when, I, when I basically say, no, I'm not going to do it, then the Holy Spirit comes and convicts me of sin, because that's one of his jobs, and I, I find myself moved towards obedience. And in Hebrews 12, it talks about the discipline of a father, and it says that, that a good father disciplines those whom he loves. And sometimes my circumstances will get a little stinky, and I'll be like, and, and I start kind of questioning and grumbling a little bit, and then I realize, oh, well, I need to kind of move towards some obedience in this area of my heart or in the area of my actions or whatever. And so I see myself in those two sons in that story that Jesus told, where there are times that I, um, I will tell God, oh, yep, I'll do it. I'm, I'm your guy. You know, obedience, yep, check. And then I turn around and I just start doing other things. It's just like looking at myself in the mirror and turning around and forgetting what I look like. But then there are other times when I tell God, no, I don't really want to do that. And of course, I don't really use those words, but in my heart, you know, I kind of have that. And, but then he just nurtures me back into obedience. And I, I love the goodness of God and his discipline towards me. Something else I want to point out about this passage is that it talks a lot about persevering. I'm going to read verse 25 for you again. Uh, the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Perseverance is not a one-time event, right? You know, I, I like to do a lot of crazy endurance stuff, you know, like climbed Mount St. Helens yesterday. I persevered, but uh, perseverance is not just a one-time event. It's an ongoing process. In the book of Revelation, it talks a lot about the one who perseveres to the end will receive whatever that promise is in that context. And so as, as we look at the lifelong task of following after Christ, we want to remember that it is something that we need to kind of knuckle down and, and, uh, and persevere. So how do we balance that? This idea of, I, I don't want it to be about doing more, trying harder, being a better Christian, but I also recognize I do need to persevere. There, there's a little bit of a tension there because it does require action on my part. It does require effort and motive and intentionality, but it needs to be something that I'm doing um, as an extension of who I am in him. So if it's ever something that I think initiates from me, then I'm doing it wrong. Because the only way that I can have long-term perseverance in my obedience and my following after Christ is if I'm recognizing that he's putting something in me, he's giving me a new nature, a new identity, and he's calling that out from me so that I can walk it out in my daily life. And that's perseverance. So when, uh, when I feel um, inclined to not do what the word says I should do, those are the opportunities to persevere. You know, obedience is easy when you agree with the rule, right? <laughs> you know, if, if um, I was joking with some of the guys when we were hiking yesterday, we were talking about, like, wouldn't it be great if, if we could just uh, eat and drink whatever we wanted and still look like we did when we were 18 years old? <laughs> That'd be awesome, but I can't. <laughs> And so there are certain even laws of nature, right? Like, you know, if I eat junk, I'm going to feel like junk. 
so I need to obey that. And sometimes that's hard. Now, if, if the laws of nature said, eat whatever you want, drink whatever you want, and you will look awesome, then I think all of us would enjoy obeying that, right? But sometimes we don't <laughs> do that. The, the idea there is uh, sometimes God's word is going to chafe against me, and it's chafing against the natural man, the, the man of flesh, the, the carnal part of me. And, and when, I, when I feel inclined not to do what God's word says, that's when it reveals to me that I need to change, that I need to persevere, that I need to buckle down and do it. And that's when I need to say, Lord, who do you say I am in response to that part of my life so that I can live it out the way you want me to? The, the law of God, the, the old covenant, uh, when, when we look in it, we see that we are filthy, right? Paul said that one of the purposes of the law was to reveal our sin to us. We look at God's perfect law and we say, wow, yeah, I'm not able to live that. Can't do it. Now, if I were to take that mirror, in, in effect, and try to clean myself with the mirror, that would not work out so well. And I'd, I don't know, I'd smudge the mirror up, I guess, because I'm filthy. But if I look into, into the new covenant, and I see the grace of Christ, and I see the new creation, and I see the, uh, the way that he's, he's calling me into the salvation that he's given me, as an extension of my identity, then I'm able to live it out. So I guess the point there, if I could just sum it all up for you, I want to live, uh, which is action, right? I want my actions to be something that come from the identity that he's given me. And I want to, I want to, for me to know that identity, I need to be in the word, it says very clearly that, that you're looking intently. When's the last time you looked intently into God's word? See, so earlier I said that we don't need more Bible study. We need more Bible application. But for me to really live out the new identity that I have in Christ, I need to know what that identity is. And I get that from his word. So I want to look intently in his word, regularly, persevering. There's a big difference um, between having um, an idea and having a plan for that. So think, think about, um, well, sunscreen, right? I had a great idea. I'm going to wear a sunscreen. In fact, I even kind of had a plan. I brought sunscreen. I knew I was going to put it on at a certain point, but I didn't actually follow up on that. So a lot of times we, we sit in church or we listen to podcasts or we, you know, we read the word or whatever and we get these great ideas like, oh, I should, um, I should read the Bible more. I should pray more. I should, uh, I should love my family more selflessly. I should, whatever the I should that, that we see there. We come up with these good ideas, but how do we take that idea and actually turn it into reality? I, I think that's a missing step in, in a lot of our lives. Let me give you a quick example. Um, uh, I really don't like the color of this Bible. I think that's why I got a good deal on it. Um, it, was, it was like on clearance online. <laughs> um, but, but I bought this because uh, my old one was kind of falling apart, and my old one was uh, a, 
I had been reading that one since I became a Christian in, back in the 80s, and, and I just wanted a fresh perspective on God's word, so I decided to go with a different translation. It also happens to be the translation we preach from here, so that was convenient. Um, but I thought, you know, I'm going to, I, I want to be more committed in my regular time with the Lord in, in the word. So that was a great idea. So I had a couple of plans. I'm going to get a different version so I can have a different perspective. And then something I know about me is that if I don't have a, a regular place to, to sit and, and spend time with the Lord that's like that spot, then it's probably not going to happen. So then I thought to myself, well, I need to identify a location in my house where I'm going to sit every morning with my cup of coffee and my Bible and spend some time with the Lord. And I, and I identified that spot, and I even put a chair there, and I even put a little, a little uh, side table for my coffee cup, you know, and I've got my pencil there and everything. I, I've, I've got a plan now for having an intentional time with the Lord every day. Now, a, another piece of that plan is to make sure that I go to bed on time so that I can wake up on time, so I can spend some time with the Lord. So that's the perseverance part, right? Like some of those were just, okay, got my new Bible, check. Okay, got my spot set up, check. Okay, uh, got to get to bed on time every day, right? Like if I, ju- if I just go to bed on time once, that's not going to result in a lifelong habit of Bible reading. <laughs> I'm going to have to get to bed on time every day. And so I need to persevere in that. But that's, that's the difference between a plan you know, the plan is all those steps, I'm going to read my Bible more. The, the idea, you know, results in the plan. So I'm going to walk you through a process here of identifying um, your, your actual plan. And so that's where I would uh, point you to the back of your sheet here. And I'm not going to tell you what exactly to, to do on this, because I want to leave some room for you to do what you think you need to do. But I want you to consider um, all the different parts of your life. You know, it might be your relationships, maybe in your uh, relationships with your kids or your spouse or just coworkers or whatever. You know, maybe you feel God calling you to, uh, to be more uh, selfless, more Christ-like, more of a servant to the people you love. Um, consider your, uh, your, your physical health. You know, I mentioned... Uh, that, that I wish I could eat and drink and eat whatever I wanted and still look like I was 18 years old. So I need to take better care of my body. Maybe a good start would be sunscreen. Um, consider <laughs> you know, consider your, your walk with the Lord. Are, are there some things that he's calling you to do um, or not do uh, that would move you into a closer intimacy with him and awareness of, uh, of who you are in Christ? Uh, consider your whole relationship with this physical world that we live in. Um, I, I, driving in this morning, I noticed the little reader board at the elementary school. They had the um, was screen-free week. Um, it's May 2nd through the 8th. Uh, I think most of us spend way too much time looking at screens. So maybe God might be calling you to, uh, to bring some balance to that. Uh, maybe he's calling you to... Uh, to I did this recently. I updated my budget. Now I want to make sure that I'm living according to our, our financial plan in our household. You know, uh, I want to honor God with my finances. Whatever it is that God is, is challenging you to, to consider, I, I want you to, 
to take that idea and actually turn it into a plan. So if you didn't get one of the, the bulletins and, and you want to have one of these things to fill out, would, uh, the ushers are ready to pass them out. Would you raise your hand so they can get you one if you need one? Because we're going to do this right now. It's like in-class homework. But it's not homework. It's, I'm giving you class time to do it. So raise your hand if you need one of these. All of you got one? Okay, uh, we, we need one up here. And what this is, this isn't super high-tech. It's just, uh, you may have heard the acronym SMART for SMART goals, right? Like a, um, if it's a goal that can actually be accountable and, and lived out, and then it needs to be SMART. So S stands for specific, M stands for measurable, A stands for achievable, R stands for relevant, and T stands for time-bound. So if, if you were to make a goal or a plan for one of those areas in your life that you feel God calling you to do, then, then you would fill this chart out that way. And uh, I'll give you a few minutes to do this, and I'm going to ask the band to come up, and, and they'll just uh, play some, some soft music in the background while you work on this, and then, um, and then I'll come back up and close it out. So take just a, a few minutes here to start writing something out there. Ask God to reveal to you what it is that he wants you to do. Lord God, uh, you, you've revealed so much of yourself and ourselves in your word. And so, Lord, I ask that, uh, that as we seek you in, our, in your word, that you would reveal yourself to us and that you would reveal yourself in us. Lord, I pray that, uh, that we would not simply hear what you have to say, but that we would live it out every day. Lord, I know I can't do that on my own. I know I don't have enough willpower, enough uh, perseverance in my flesh to live what you call me to live. But Lord, I do know that by your grace, you have changed who I am. And yet you've given me a new life. And so Lord, I pray that each one of us could live out that new life that you've given us. Lord, we know that, uh, that your word is good and that what you have said to us in your word is right. And so we just want to ask that you would allow us to live that out, Lord. Amen.